The ripple effect could be so great and far-reaching that it is difficult to calculate the full impact. Lorenzo Carmen. Fix your period and you just might fix your life. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her brilliant health radio, where holistic women's health expert and board certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Welcome back, brilliant, beautiful, bountiful, blissful woman. I'm so grateful that you chose to join me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution. I know there's a lot going on right now, but still, the revolution is on and I'm leading it. Now more than ever, you need the information and wisdom that we offer to help you navigate through healing, to create a state of resilience with your health so that your body can withstand any threat that may come its way. And your monthly menses may be a key indicator of where you are with your health than anything else right now. The truth is that period problems ultimately mean overall health problems. I know this is not what you heard anywhere else, but you're hearing it from me now. Why? Because your reproductive system is not separate from any of the other systems that run your body and keep you alive and healthy. It's just one of the first places that health problems show up for women. Because the reproductive system is expensive to run and it's expendable. So what I mean by that is that it takes resources right? Calories, energy, nutrients, hormones to run reproduction takes a lot for your body to run it. So your body will only allot resources to this system when there is plenty to go around and it's expendable in terms of survival. You don't need to reproduce to survive, but your heart has to beat and you have to breathe and you've got to digest food but you don't have to make a baby to survive, right? That's an, a bonus feature. So this means that when your body doesn't have what it needs to run well or you're not optimally healthy, that one of the first places that this deficit will show up is in your period because that's an outward sign of your inner ability to reproduce. So if your body's having to cut resources because it doesn't have what it needs or it's got interference going on and it's got to keep your heart beating and food digesting, it kind of starts having problems in your period and that's where you'll see it. So if you don't read this memo from your period, whether it's heavy or clotty or painful or too long or too short or spotty or whatever's happening with it, and you continue doing what you're doing, then you might get an email that's louder. And then you might get a certified letter explaining why you won't be getting pregnant, because eventually if there's too much abnormality in the system, it'll cause infertility. Or you'll stop making enough estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, the sex hormones, right? To run your sex drive. And in that certified letter, it says, mm, 
you won't be having a sex drive. And then the last straw, no orgasms for you. That's the FedEx same day registered notarized document that if you didn't pay attention to in the memo is the big red flag saying something's wrong, do something, right? I think you get my point. Many health problems, first signs are in your period. You heard it here first. Then there's this ripple effect into other organs and systems that your body prizes as being more vital. This means the symptoms can be more troublesome and worrisome. So it's best to fix your period when it sends the memo. Hopefully you're with me on this. Today's podcast guest is literally called The Period Girl, and you will love her. I'll tell you about her, and then we'll get right to it. Known as The Period Girl, Nicole Jarnum is a certified women's health coach, writer, speaker, mentor, and the creator of Fix Your Period, a series of programs that empower women to reclaim their hormone health using a method that combines evidence-based information with simplicity and sass. Her work has impacted the lives of tens of thousands of women around the world in effectively addressing a wide variety of period problems, including PMS, irregular periods, PCOS, painful and heavy periods, missing periods, and many more. Rather than treating problems or symptoms, Nicole treats women by addressing the root cause of what's really going on in their bodies and their minds. She passionately believes that the fundamentals to healing any hormonal imbalance lie in an approach that addresses the unique physiology of every woman. This is essential to reclaiming and maintaining optimal health and vitality at any age. Nicole is the author of Fix Your Period, six weeks to banish bloating, conquer cramps, manage moodiness, and ignite lasting hormone balance. Available for pre-order now and arrives on April 28th of this year. She's also the co-author of The Happy Balance, a recipe book filled with over 80 hormone balancing recipes. Finally, she's the co-host of The Period Party a top-rated podcast on iTunes. Be sure to tune into that if you want to learn more about how to fix your period. And she's also been called on as a women's health expert for sites such as The Guardian, Well Plus Good, Mind Body Green, and Healthline. Welcome, Nicole. So glad to have you on the podcast today. Hi, thank you so much, Karen. I'm so thrilled to be here too. Yes, your book is coming out, Fix Your Period, and it is wonderful. Thank you for sending me an advanced copy. I know everybody listening will be excited to read it as well. And we're going to talk a little bit about what they're going to find in the book. We're going to talk about Periods 101. And we're just going to talk about what is important to know when it comes to your period. If you're a woman, then it's some point in your life, most of us will have periods and it can be a very key indicator of what's going on with your health overall. And period problems are very common. So let's start by talking about what's normal when it comes to your period. Oh, I think that's such a great question, right? Because I get that a lot. Women say something along the lines of I'm experiencing X, Y, Z. And then they say, is that normal? And I think that unfortunately what has happened in our society 
generally is that a lot of period-related issues, whether that's period pain or heavy bleeding or not having a period even, have been characterized or categorized as being completely normal or nothing to worry about. And I feel like we need to completely flip the script on that because these are actual signs that something is going on, not only with your endocrine system and the hormones that it's producing, but also with other systems too, possibly your liver or your gut or your thyroid. So it's really critical for us to start to become almost like period investigators and start to figure out like what's, you know, what's normal for us and what's not, and then also have an understanding of, generally speaking, what's normal with regard to periods, which I can totally go into. Yes, and we do need to be period detectives because just like if you have a fever, it's not that you need to take a medication to get rid of the fever necessarily, or if your blood pressure is high, it doesn't mean that you necessarily need a drug. You don't have a deficiency of antihypertensives. It's a sign that something's going on in the rest of your body that's causing that. And so I agree with you that it's a call to look deeper at what's going on. And it can be any aspect of your body that could be contributing to abnormal periods. So just so people know what's normal, because I encounter a lot of women who think that having pain and clotting on their periods and missing a day or two of work or school is normal. What, what should normal be on a period? What's healthy? Yeah, I'm so happy you're asking that because I agree. That's what I encounter as well. And so I think the first thing that everyone should know is the length of your menstrual cycle. And so when I say menstrual cycle, I'm talking about from day one of your menstrual cycle, which is day one of bleeding, all the way through to the last day before your next period. And usually I like to see that somewhere within the range of 25 to 35 days. And I find that anything shorter than that usually correlates with heavier periods, longer periods, um, you know, period pain, and a shortened luteal phase, which is that second half of your cycle. And the reason that's important is because if it's too short, then, and you were potentially trying to get pregnant, for instance, you might not be able to get pregnant because it takes a certain amount of time for that fertilized egg to travel an implant in your uterus. So that's one reason why it wouldn't be great for it to be short. There are plenty of others, but for the sake of time. And then on the flip side of that, over 35 days, we really want to see why our period wouldn't be coming if it's past 35 days. And usually the reason for that is we haven't ovulated. And why have we not ovulated? Or we've ovulated really late in our cycle. And again, what's the reason for that? Because ovulation truly is a sign of health. And it is a process in our bodies that is critical for a certain hormone production. So with that said, 25 to 35 days is what you're really looking for. You don't want a huge amount of variability with in that time frame. And when it comes to your actual period itself, you really want to be looking for to have a period somewhere between three and seven days. Like that to me is the ideal range. And if it's over seven days, again, that usually means that there's heavy bleeding, long periods and heavy bleeding, lots of blood loss and clots possibly. Uh, your period might be darker as well. So there might be a lot of like thicker, darker colored blood. And then also too, 
it's definitely associated with those shorter cycles, like I said. And then on the flip side, if your period is too short, meaning like it's only one, maybe two days long, that could mean that maybe you're not ovulating. Your estrogen is not building up enough to build your uterine lining for you to have a substantial bleed. So that's what I'd like to see with you know the actual period itself. And then in the lead up to your period, I find a lot of women say to me, well, you know, I spot for seven days before my period. Is that normal? And same thing. Usually if you're spotting like a day or two before you get your period, I feel like that's okay. It's not a huge deal. But more than that means to me that your progesterone either never got high enough for you to actually keep your uterine lining in place because that's what progesterone does. It lines the walls and keeps them there. And then what happens is it's either not high enough and you're starting to spot. So you're starting to lose some of that lining or it's just dropping prematurely. And again, same thing, causing you to lose some of that lining. I think one other thing too, like we were just talking about with period pain, I'm fascinated by this. Like I'm fascinated by the fact that we have completely normalized pain associated with our uteruses. And yet, like if you go to the doctor and you have knee pain or back pain, they're going to try and do their best to help you figure it out and they'll help you with some solutions. But when it comes to uterus pain, yeah, no. (laughs) That is definitely considered totally normal and you're just sort of sent on your way with painkillers or whatever. And so I think that for anyone who's listening it's important to think about the type of pain you experience because there are multiple reasons you might have it. But if it's disrupting your life, as in your day-to-day living, or you need more than one dose of ibuprofen, for instance, so a couple of Advil to address your pain, then to me, that's a sign that something's going on, that there's possibly something deeper happening. So I think that those are sort of the key characteristics of, of what one should be looking for. I think one more thing too is the premenstrual time that leading up to your period, the spotting time. If you are experiencing PMS-like symptoms, especially the emotional ones where you know you're you feel completely out of control, you're angry, you're full of anxiety, things of that nature, that to me is a sign too that there's possibly low progesterone or something else going on in your life. Like you're just super stressed, or you know, things there's certain things that aren't working in your life. So I think that paying attention to all of those symptoms that I just described is a really good place to start with determining what is your norm. Yes, great explanation. So length of the cycle from beginning of one period to the next is key, 25 to 35 days. Length of your bleed should be three to seven days, not too heavy, not too light. It shouldn't be less than three days. And are you having symptoms in the premenstrual period? So this is what's normal. And some women I encounter will say, well, I've always had irregular periods, so that's normal for me. And my doctor's never said anything about it. And what what I want you to hear that we're saying is that just because it's normal for you and that's how you've always been doesn't mean it's optimal. And it means that there are some underlying root causes, imbalances that Nicole's talking about that could be at play. And so you really need to investigate that because not only is it affecting your fertility, whether you want to get pregnant or not, but it's an indicator that you've got imbalances that could be causing problems elsewhere. And I love how you go in the book into great detail about all of these issues that could be involved and, you know, whether it's fibroids or endometriosis, or you may not have an anatomic problem, but you just could be having symptoms. And that is an indicator. So 
we know that it's associated with sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, which we talk about on the podcast all the time. But what are some other systems that could be affecting those hormones that are causing these symptoms that people might be con- should be concerned about and be alerted to? Yeah, I love this because we have really been led to believe that First of all, our bodies are these mysterious things that are very complicated and very difficult to figure out. And in addition to that, a lot of us are just not educated about the interconnectedness that exists between the different systems in our bodies, whether it's our digestive system or endocrine system, our nervous system. All of these are are pretty much communicating with each other every second of every day, forever and ever. And as a result, you know, we have this very much as one size fits all approach to female bodies that really doesn't work because of course, we're all completely different. Genetically speaking, our lifestyles are different. Our diets are different. The countries we live in are different. And, you know, our physical makeup is even different. You know, some of us are physically, you know, we're built bigger, some are built smaller. So there's just multiple factors to consider. And that's why, you know, this one size spot treating your symptoms approach just doesn't work. But ultimately, when we think about the different systems, I think that it's really important for us to be thinking about our gut health and our liver health. And the reason I say that is because with your gut, there are, you know, there are multiple factors that can play into this. And to keep it relatively simple and to the point, I would say that, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, the two main things that affect our our gut health is, you know, gut dysbiosis and leaky gut. And gut dysbiosis literally just means malfunction in your gut microbiome, essentially. It means that the microbiome is not in harmony. And then leaky gut just means that your gut lining, that very thin gut lining or barrier between what's inside your digestive tract and what's inside your body is too thin. It's gotten to the point where it's become too permeable. And as a result, what tends to happen is it causes this autoimmune or this immune reaction or immune response every time you're eating something or ingesting something that doesn't work for your body. And that could be, you know, sort of like an allergenic food, for instance, something like wheat or dairy or sugar. Anyway, not everyone has those issues, but just saying that those are the common triggers. And so what happens in with, with the gut microbiome and gut dysbiosis in general is that in particular, when it comes to your hormones and estrogen, we tend to not realize that your estrogen levels can very much be determined by what is happening with your actual gut. And what that means is there's something called the estrobilome. And this is a group of bacteria that helps to regulate estrogen levels in the body. So what happens is if we have the gut dysbiosis, we might end up in a situation where estrobilome bacteria are all out of whack as well. And what ends up happening is in some cases, your estrobilome can reconjugate or can reconvert estrogen into its activated state once it's come into your digestive tract for removal because it goes through the liver and then through the gallbladder and into the digestive tract and then it's going down the toilet essentially. And so if we have a situation where our estrobilome is not in balance, it can produce or it does produce enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which has the ability to turn this estrogen back into its activated form and then it can actually pass back through your gut lining and and go recirculate and wreak more havoc. And 
in some cases, we might not have our estrobilum might actually not do that. And it might do too little of that. And so we might end up in a situation where we're in an estrogen deficient state. So that to me is one really good example of why it's really multifaceted, right? We have to be looking at all the different systems in our bodies. And again, you know, this sounds complicated, but it's really, I think that the bigger picture here is that you take small steps to address the different systems in your body or the breakdown in the systems in your body, and then you will start to see really big results. Yeah, so I think that is a great example, and I think gut health is probably the best example and probably the most common system that affects periods, affects your hormone levels in the way that you're describing. And so if you're listening and you're constipated and you're not pooping, you're not getting rid of your excess estrogen, which everything the body makes, it has to get rid of. And if you don't get rid of it, even though it's a naturally occurring substance that your body produces, it can become a toxin in the body. And so constipation would be one of the biggest causes of that. But there's so many others that you go into in the book in detail and in your program where you help people to kind of decode their period and fix their period. And I, I love the name, fix, the, fix Your Period. You fix your period, fix your life, right? You pretty much do. <laughs> You do, right? And um, I love in the book how you talked about, can you talk a little bit about how the U.S. women's soccer team, when they went for the World Cup, had a period consultant? I thought that was fascinating. Can you tell everyone about that? Yeah, I know. I was blown away by that, too. So for anyone who doesn't know, in, I think it was, what, 2019? Did that, is that when they yeah. did the World Cup? Yes, I think so. Yes, last year, a year ago at this point. So they hired this woman to, come on and work as their period consultant. Her name was Dr. Georgie Brunvels. And so her work has been in this realm for a long time. She has worked on figuring out like how the cycle impacts your physical, emotional energy levels and, and just your symptoms throughout, you know, throughout the different phases of your cycle. And so for her goal was to help optimize their performance based on their menstrual cycles, which to me is so brilliant. And I feel like, you know, this is something that I've lived by for a really long time, this understanding of where I'm at in my cycle and what strengths and or weaknesses I have in that phase or in that time of my cycle. And so that was really what her plan was too, right? This was just a goal was to adjust the player's diet and their exercise and their sleep and, you know, their training for the World Cup, which is a really big deal to their, you know, their actual menstrual cycle. And that was going to ensure that they could perform at their very best, even if they happened to be on their period, for instance. Like, that was what was amazing about this whole thing is that the woman who scored the winning goal for, in, you know, for the actual World Cup, she got her period the next day. Usually when we're PMSing hard, we're not trying to win the World Cup. <laughs> right. It's just like not happening. Yeah. I mean, most of us can barely get out the door. So that to me is so fascinating. And it really did, you know, highlight that even though, you know, we feel like our period might hold us back, it doesn't necessarily have to. And it's very much about building, uh, you know, build, sort of scaffolding around us so that we are, you know, we're taking care of ourselves extra well at this time in our cycle so that we can have more energy to do the things, you know, again, live our lives, right? Do the things that we want to do. Yes. And we are cyclic creatures. We have a circadian rhythm, a sleep-wake cycle, the seasons cycle, our world cycles, nature cycles. We have cycles 
cycles and really learning how to promote cycles to run effectively is so key. I love how in the book you talk about aligning with the moon's phases and how the cycle aligns and things that you can do to promote optimization in each cycle. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that this is a really interesting topic because women, my in my experience, have, or at least we tend to feel like we have become so disconnected from nature and our natural environment and that cyclical environment that you just spoke about. And as a result, they're all like, oh my gosh, I really want to sync with the moon. And this is you know, totally something I want to do. And I want to ovulate with the full moon and get my period with the new moon. And what I, you know, what I ask women to do first and foremost is to, first of all, track their cycle and understand, you know, where they are in their cycle. And if you generally have a healthy cycle and period, then I don't suggest, you know, messing with it so that you can align with the moon. I think that that'll naturally happen if it's meant to. But I also think too, that you want to just make sure, or your main goal is to have a healthy period. But with that said, I have found that women who have extremely irregular periods, for instance, they only get a few of them a year or women who have amenorrhea, which is when you have not had your period for three or more months, they benefit very much from aligning with the moon's phases. And so really what that means is when you don't have a period and you want to live cyclically and you want to really maximize on those different phases of your cycle, where in that first half of your cycle leading up to ovulation, you would really start to feel your energy shift, your sex drive improve, and you know your mental acuity, your ability to remember things, all of those aspects of your health are going to change quite dramatically in that first half. And so if you're not getting a period and you really want to live in accordance with your cycle, you can just use the moon cycle. And so that would be from the first day of your period, if you were to not have a period, that would be the new moon. And then you would, you would, basically start to do different things when you reach the full moon. So you would switch and that would be your luteal phase, that second half of your cycle. And what, and then in that luteal phase or that second half of the cycle or the, you know, the second half of the moon phase phases, what you would want to be doing is starting to think about how you can wind down a little bit because that first half of your cycle is very active. We've got a lot going on for the most part. And I feel like, you know, that's a time where you're socializing with people and you're asking for raises and you're really doing the strenuous type of exercise and physical activity that a lot of us love to do, but don't necessarily love to do it in the second half of our cycle. So in that second half now, really now, that you're coming off of the high of that first half where things are busy, you want to start to think about how you can take some more time for yourself, slowing it down a little bit, maybe making a date with yourself to hang out at home and just like really reflecting on, you know, the whole cycle in general, as you approach that, you know, that time where you're going to get your period or you're approaching the new moon again, if you don't have a period currently. So there are multiple ways that you can do this and, and really start to live in congruence with your, your menstrual cycle or the moon cycles. I love that. And I really see the menstrual cycle time of the new moon as a time to go within and nurture yourself and really evaluate where you are and what you're wanting to create in this next cycle. Just like the moon is creating itself, you are creating yourself and your life. And so I think as women, we have a unique opportunity that we are so tied to the cycles of the earth and nature to really harness that 
energy for ourselves. And so I love that you describe that in the book. And when we come back from the break, we are going to talk about the most common treatment in the medical community to treat dysfunctional periods, whether it's heavy, painful periods, fibroids, endometriosis, and that's the birth control pill or hormonal suppression. So more on this after the break. Hey, have you been feeling anxious about the current climate and new risks to your health? And wondering if your overall level of health is good enough to support you if you were to get sick? You are not alone. Now more than ever, your health has got to be brilliant, support you, and shine. It's time to stop procrastinating on getting the evaluation, knowledge, tools, and support that you know you need to address the roots of what's going wrong with your health, keeping you tired, overweight, lacking in stamina, and on prescription medications. That is just not good enough anymore. New threats mean you've got to develop a better defense, and I'm here to help. I personally invite you to schedule a complimentary phone consultation with me wherever you live to discuss your personal health concerns and how a comprehensive holistic root cause approach can help you not only alleviate the current symptoms you're having, but also boost your level of health resilience. It's all about resilience now. You can sign up on my website, kierandunstonmd.com, where there's additional information about supercharging your wellness during this important time in our history. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Nicole Jardim, the author of Fix Your Period. She's going to tell you in the book all about how to decode your period, how to diagnose what's going on with you at the root cause level so that you can fix your period and improve your overall health and your life. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the most common treatment. You know, I've been a gynecologist for over two decades. And when I practiced mainstream medicine, I was taught to treat almost all period dysfunctions with the birth control pill. That really is the standard of care. And so no diagnostic testing is done, maybe an ultrasound, maybe not. And we would put people, women on the birth control pill and give them a trial for three months, see what happened with the periods. And then, which aren't really periods anymore. They are artificially induced periods. And then if that didn't work, we try a different birth control pill. And if that didn't work, next phase would be laparoscopy to look inside and really, now that I practice functional medicine, I know that that's not a sound scientific approach or health promotional approach. Really, you need to ask the questions, do the diagnostic test, don't guess, to evaluate what the hormones are doing throughout the period so that you can find out why the periods are abnormal and fix it at the root cause level. So let's talk about the birth control pill because it has a lot of concerns. So what are your thoughts about using that as a hormone fixing tool? Yeah, I think that it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, obviously, but I, I think that somebody said this and I don't know who it is. I can't remember, but they coined the term, uh, the 
birth control pill is the pill for all women's health ills. And it's exactly what you just said, that we have now relegated it to the role of treating pretty much every single menstrual cycle related problem that women encounter. And that to me is a huge issue because again, that is, I think that stems from this, this conventional one size fits all approach to our bodies and our health. And that just doesn't work. I mean, it really just doesn't because we are not taking into account that woman's unique physiology, her background, her physical health in that moment, her diet, her lifestyle, nothing. And as a result, we're putting women on the pill who might have a bleeding disorder, for instance, or they might have a clotting disorder. And, you know, that could be potentially life-threatening and has actually significantly harmed a lot of women. But I understand, at the same time, I will say this, that it has been I don't want to discount the fact that, you know, when it showed up in 1960, it was an incredible invention for women who needed effective birth control. So I really get it. But I think that unfortunately, that the research into hormonal birth control and just birth control methods in general stalled out in the 80s. And it was much easier to use different birth control pills to control or address or treat all of these issues from heavy periods to irregular periods to period pain to acne and you know a whole host of other issues, polycystic ovary syndrome, I could go on. It was what I used. I mean, it was what I used to control my heavy and painful periods and it worked a treat. It was amazing at the time. But then of course, when you're not ovulating, which is really quite life-giving, you are literally and figuratively, <laughs> you are not making the hormones that are so crucial to so many parts of your health. Because again, the conventional narrative is that the pill will fix all of these issues. But the problem is, is that when we're not producing progesterone and estrogen, the key female sex hormones and testosterone as well, it's another one, you know, we're operating at this deficit that we are basically living with for years on end. And that is hugely problematic because like I said, this narrative is that you only need these hormones and you only need ovulation to make a baby because apparently that's all we're good for being vessels for babies. And unfortunately, we are now, many women I know and I've worked with are now in a situation where they've come off the pill and they're ready to get pregnant or just they've had so many side effects so they just want to get their health back on track and things have gone completely haywire for them. And it's because they've spent basically decades in some cases not ovulating at all, not producing any of these really important hormones. And those hormones are crucial for so many things aside from releasing and, you know, aside from getting pregnant and giving birth, they're responsible for well, progesterone, for instance, is it plays a huge role in your brain health. It keeps you calm. It, it prevents you from devolving into an anxious mess every single month. Estrogen plays a big role in your bone health and in your heart health, which is why cardiovascular disease and osteoporosis are so prevalent in that menopausal time. I mean, there are multiple ways that these hormones can contribute to your overall health. And 
I think we're playing a dangerous experiment here where we have this many women who are not ovulating for so many decades, and we don't really know what the the long-term implications are for that. Yeah, I, I think it is concerning because what a lot of people don't understand is that these are artificial hormones. They're not the same as what your body naturally makes. They've been chemically altered in the lab to have different chemical structures so that they can sit on these hormone receptors and stimulate them in some positive ways, but also in some negative ways that can increase your risk for disease. Like the younger you start birth control pills, if you're on them for 10 or more years, your risk of breast cancer goes up. Well, how many women who are on the birth control pill were told that by their doctor before they started it? probably not many, if any. And so they are toxins that your body has to detoxify. They clog up how your body functions. And then also, like you said, shutting down ovulation has effect on the brain because the brain is what controls ovulation, but these hormones have a feedback loop to the brain that shuts that down. And I was talking with someone yesterday and we were talking about how thousands of vaginas I've looked at and, and women that I've seen on the birth control pill, their vagina start having changes like menopausal women where there's thinning of the skin covering and the vagina, the labia start to fuse, the, the clitoral covering becomes thinner and the sensory nerves start decreasing in density and people will have a lot of sexual dysfunction, decreased desire, and that the ovaries in a woman on birth control pills oftentimes are so tiny and small and atrophied, almost like a menopausal women. And most women don't realize what it's doing to their fertility possibly or to their sexual functioning. They don't realize this is a side effect because they haven't been told and that it's affecting other systems in the body so that it could be contributing to migraine headaches, for instance, or mood disorders like anxiety and depression. So I think it's a huge concern and women do need to be educated on this. And if you're listening, don't just stop your birth control pill. But my intention, and I think Nicole's too, is to have an educated discussion with your clinician about what are the risks of taking this pill. I know women get very fiercely protective of their right to take the pill. And yes, you have a right to do that, but let's make it an informed choice. Yes, absolutely. I could not agree with you more. And I think that the intention is never to fearmonger whatsoever, but to really highlight the fact that, like you said, there is no real informed choice, right? If we don't know of all the different birth control options or solutions to addressing whatever problem that we're currently dealing with, then that's really not informed consent. That's not making an informed choice. And furthermore, you can just consult the handout or the little pamphlet that comes with your pill to see all of the different side effects that are associated with it. So I think that, again, like this requires you to become an active participant in your health rather than being a passive participant, just sort of going along with whatever the person, whether you're it's a doctor or a nurse practitioner or whoever you're seeing, is telling you. And because at the end of the day, you're the only person who is in charge of your body and your 
your health, first of all. And secondly, you're going to care more about your health than any other person will. And so it's really, I think, fundamentally up to us to be able to be informed and ultimately make informed decisions about our unique health concerns. Yeah, I do talk to some women who say, well, I had period problems, but now I'm on the pill, so I don't have any, so I'm fine. And so I think what both Nicole and I want you to be aware of is that that's just masking the problem that you're having and that that problem is going on to some degree, whatever it was causing it, whether it's a gut problem, liver problem, or some other adrenal or cortisol problem, it's still going on. And so make sure that you're informed about the pros and cons, risks and benefits about using hormonal suppression and make an educated choice for yourself. I know you talk in the book a lot about diet and how that affects your periods. And I would agree with you that diet is very important to maintaining a healthy period. And in your book, The Happy Balance, you have recipes for over 80 hormone balancing uh, recipes that people can put together. What are some of the top takeaways that you would offer from dietary change that can improve your periods? Yeah, I think that the first thing would be to really recognize that if you're going to fill yourself up with something that is very high carbohydrate meal, you're essentially just filling yourself up with, you know, what I consider to be empty calories or calories that are not calories or lack of and a lack of nutrients are just not going to serve you in any way at all. So I think that that's the first thing that we have to recognize, especially if we tend to love caffeine or sugar or sugary treats or things like that, that really at the end of the day, that all it's doing is, you know, it's filling you up and you're not getting any nutrients out of that. Like you're getting no sustenance. Your body is not benefiting in any way. Those things are always going to taste really good, but I, I think it's up to us to make a decision about what it is that we're going to put in our fork every day and put on our plate. And that brings me to, you know, what should you eat? And you know, I think that there is no one size fits all approach to eating. I think that very much so, as I was saying before, with taking the pill or any other medication, that your genetics and your lifestyle and your background and all of these different factors have to be taken into consideration. And so when I came up with what women should be eating for their hormones, I tried to simplify it, especially in the book, because it's a book and I can't talk to everybody. But the goal is when you're making your plate to think about, you know, half your plate is carbohydrates, a quarter is fat and a quarter is protein. And this is just a very simple version. And you might have to play with those ratios a little bit. But in that carbohydrate section, we're not talking about half your plate being potatoes or fries. We're talking about it being carbohydrates in the form of vegetables. So one of the best veggies I think that we can have, especially if we are experiencing symptoms of estrogen dominance or progesterone deficiency, things like heavy, painful periods, breast pain or tenderness, migraines, even long or short cycles, long periods, long bleeding, things like that, we would want to add in cruciferous veggies. And so we're talking about cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and collard greens and kale and things of that nature. And so really thinking that of your veggies in a way that they're now the star of your plate versus the sideshow and that protein maybe is a little bit less because I know that we tend to eat a lot of protein sometimes. And that's not a bad thing. I, I'm certainly not villainizing 
optimizing protein by any means. But I would say that, you know, we make that, that half of our plate into the veggie central. And then we have, you know, the palm sized piece of protein, maybe a little bit bigger if, you know, we are athletes or we're high performance trainers or anything like that. And then also fat. And like I said, you have to experiment with this. And the goal really is to stabilize your blood sugar. You really want your blood sugar to be sort of like got little hills in it, not these huge spikes and crashes, which is what tends to happen if we eat too many carbohydrates or too much sugar and not enough protein and fat. And the reason we want to do this is because insulin, which manages your blood sugar once it's in your body, is a super powerful hormone that will totally wreak havoc on your menstrual cycle, which is the direct connection between what you eat and what's happening with your period. And, you know, I break it all down in the book and whatnot, but the idea here is that if you eat, you really want to feel full and satisfied for at least three to four hours after you've eaten. And you also want to not experience these energy crashes or energy highs and crashes that you might experience if you were to eat something that messed up your blood sugar. So that's really, I think, one of the main goals that we should have when it comes to what we're eating and how to eat. Yes. And in the book, you have the chapter on the blood sugar roller coaster. And I had to laugh because I say the same thing. It's a, it's a blood sugar <laughs> roller coaster. You got to get off the roller coaster, ladies, if you want to yes. have great periods, if you want to have a normal weight, if you want to have consistent energy, if you want to have any measure of vitality, you got to get off the blood sugar roller coaster. And I love that you mentioned cruciferous vegetables. I say all hail to the crucifers. They are wonderful. So (laughs) you got to see how many of those you can get into your diet. And the book is just packed with so much information. If you are having any period problems, you definitely want to check out Fix Your Period. It is available for pre-order now, and it will be available on April 28th. And I know that you have a quiz also that people can take to help them understand some things about their period. Do you want to tell everyone about that? Definitely. So I have, you know, I call it the period quiz. I think it's really helpful for anyone who is experiencing these issues. And like we were saying earlier, doesn't know whether they're normal or not, or what to do or where to start. And they're just totally confused. And if you take that... I have video quiz results that basically walk you through the symptoms that you're experiencing and why you might be experiencing those. And in addition to that, like once you go through that, I will share those results and additional resources for what you can do next. And then you can find the book and the book bonuses that I'm providing for everyone who orders within this pre-sale time at fixyourperiod.com. So everything is available on that site. And I have hundreds of dollars worth of bonuses. I have a free course, my 14-day cleanse that's involved in that too, and an opportunity to win a spot in my Fix Your Period 12-week live program. There are multiple benefits to purchasing the book, and you'll get all of those on fixyourperiod.com. Well, you really are the period girl, Nicole, and I'm (laughs) so excited for everyone to read your book and learn about what's going on with their body. I wish this would be required reading for all young women before they start their periods. I know when I first started my period, I was clueless. And (laughs) I think most of us were because we didn't have any education in it. And I really had to learn about what my period was. And then when I started having my own dysmenorrhea with fancy name for painful periods and was put on birth control, 
control pills and eventually Depo-Provera and then gained lots and lots of weight and had all kinds of health problems. This is before I knew what I know now. I didn't realize that that was contributing to my health problems and none of my healthcare providers clued me into that fact. And then once I realized it, well, then those are gone and, you know, it significantly contributed to me losing the weight and regaining my health. So thank you so much for sharing this wonderful information and for writing this book that's so important. Any last words you'd like to leave everyone with? Yeah, I would just want to say to everyone that there is hope and there are answers. And it's just a matter of, like I was saying before, becoming a bit of a period detective and really trying to figure out what's going on with your menstrual cycle. And from there, once you have those answers and you're not feeling around in the dark anymore, you can have an educated, empowered discussion with your doctor, and that will be game-changing. Yes, definitely have educated discussions with your healthcare providers. And last question, Nicole, the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health. What does that mean to you? Oh, Her Brilliant Health means to me having a deep understanding of what is happening in your body so that, again, like I was saying, you can make empowered, informed decisions about your health and you're not constantly swayed by the latest diet trend or, you know, what, you know, that your best friend told you worked for her, but you're really, you're in the know about what works for you. I love that. Thank you so much for being here, Nicole. Thank you so much, Karen. It was so great to be on your show. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.